0: Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hello, friends. How are you doing? I feel like I just have to start this podcast out this way, but if you had the pleasure of listening to Friday's podcast, last Friday's podcast, before I re-uploaded it, because a lot of you guys were having technical issues playing the podcast, man, you missed it. I accidentally uploaded my unedited podcast episode to the whole world last Friday, and I didn't find out about it till Tuesday when someone reached out and they're like, hey, I can't play the most recent episode, can you help me out? Oh my gosh, I was mortified. I think, I don't think I've ever been, no, I've been that embarrassed, but it's been a long time since I've been that embarrassed. Like It was the kind of embarrassment where it's when you're watching someone on a movie do something really embarrassed and you're embarrassed for them and it just makes you want to crawl out of your own skin, but it was me. I was watching myself be that embarrassing important. Oh my gosh. It was so bad because I I made these weird, awkward pauses in the episode, and I yawned in the episode multiple times. I have this weird thing. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but whenever I read out loud, unless I'm in front of a stage and then I'm too nervous. I yawn and it's because I don't breathe enough and this often happens to me when I'm recording the podcast because I'm I have somewhat of a script in front of me usually. <laughs> I uh, I totally yawned multiple times in the podcast. And yeah, so you guys missed that if you didn't listen to it and for those of you that are still here after that episode, thank you. I appreciate the support. I appreciate your belief in me. I promise I'm just a normal human, uh, and I won't, that won't ever happen again. And it reminded me of another time where I was super embarrassed, so if you want to hear another embarrassing story of mine, then stick around to the end of the episode, and I will tell you that embarrassing story, just for the fun of it, just as a apology thing, story. <laughs> Today's episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be a little bit of tough love, and it's all about breaking up with bulimia, and giving up your desire for bulimia, which I think is very important. A lot of you that follow me on Instagram, you signed a poll where it's like, I want you to talk about intuitive eating and what our podcast topic was last week. And I'm going to do intuitive eating next week, I promise. But I want to give that one a little bit more dedicated time and research before I jump into it. And I also think that what I'm talking about today is much more important Because while I can give you a ton of action items and things to do and here's what you can eat, here's how to do it, here's what you can do for this, those are all great, but it's all about your thinking. When it comes down to it, you and what stands between you and recovery, what stands between you and quitting bulimia, quitting binging and purging, isn't the action items because they're all going to be slightly different depending on who you are, what your problems actually are. It really comes down to the thinking behind it and how you manage your emotions. That is the key to bulimia recovery. And that's why I wanted to talk about giving up your desire to be bulimic. This is going to sound strange. A lot of you still desire to binge and purge. And I know that sounds so bizarre. And I know you. when I say that to you, your first reaction is, no, I I don't want to be bulimic. I don't want to binge and purge. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm listening to you, Jacqueline. And I get it. I get that most, a lot of the time, you still, you don't want to binge and purge. You don't want to be bulimic. I totally get that. But at some level, there's still that desire to binge and purge. And there's a lot of reasons for this. A big one is obviously binging and purging is your coping mechanism. It's your way to escape. Even those of you that are very detached from being bulimic, it's just a habit for you now. I get a lot of people that tell me this. I was having a consult with someone recently, but I she's basically, I treated her just like I would any other consult. I treated her like a client. And we were talking and she was like, I really don't have any emotional attachment to it. I just kind of do it. And The more I dug in with her, the more it's like, well, you do do it out of a habit, but there is emotion. You're avoiding an emotion with this. You're avoiding anxiety. Binging and purging is still an emotional event for you. And the problem is, it's just what you do with anxiety now. It's just, oh, I feel anxious, so I binge and purge. I feel overwhelmed, I binge and purge. But I really want you to look into what bulimia does for you and why bulimia works for you. And this may be controversial, but bulimia is fun in a lot of regards. Binging and purging is fun. It's an interesting event. I I completely get it. Binging and purging, not only do you get to eat a bunch of junk food that uh, you wouldn't normally eat in a day, tons of textures, tons of tastes that are really fun, it numbs out that feeling for you. It's a it's a nice way to decompress. You just get to eat food. You don't have to think about anything else in the world other than the food and maybe the TV show that you're watching. It silences out that tape in your brain that's constantly playing out whatever else you're worried about. And it distracts you. Bulimia is a major distraction. And I'm not just talking about binging and purging. I'm talking about the fact that Worrying about your food, worrying about the next time you binge and purge, worrying about your weight, whether it's going to go up and down, worrying about what people think about you, worrying about whether people are going to discover you, that's all a distraction for you because it's much easier for you to worry about that than it is maybe your finances or your family. Maybe you have a sick loved one. Maybe you just, you're worrying about your life, worrying about your future, whatever it is, it's a lot easier and familiar for you to worry about limia and all the things that it entails than it is to worry about life. Bulimia keeps you from being present in your life. So what I want to ask you is, would you be willing to give up your desire for binging? Or would you be willing to give up your desire for food, even? And some people would say yes, take it away. But a lot of people would say no. No. And here's the reason why. So I, at one point, when I was really struggling to lose weight, uh, like I always was, ever since I got out of college, or got out of high school, I was always complaining to people about the fact that I couldn't lose weight. And finally, someone said to me, you know, it's just as simple as not putting food in your mouth. Like, all you have to do is not eat. And I was livid with this person. I was so mad at them. I was just like, what do you mean it's as simple as not putting food in my mouth? How dare you say that to me? Clearly, it's complicated. Clearly, there's all those things I need to worry about. I just can't lose weight. It's not so simple. I was so angry with this person. But what I realized later on is that I was so angry with that person because I knew that they were right. And I knew that in the end, it wasn't that I couldn't ever, I couldn't just not put food in my mouth. It's that I was given into the urge to put food in my mouth. And then at some level, I still wanted that food in my life. I still wanted the distraction of food. And when I finally made the commitment to lose weight again for the final time, I realized that even though I wasn't bulimic anymore, I was still using food as a major distraction for me. And the idea of giving up cake for a while, or you know, not having ice cream every day, not having chocolate all the time, was hard to fathom, and it's because I didn't want to deal with the life that I had. What happens is, when you give up the desire for bulimia, and you give up bulimia, if you gave it up tomorrow, you're left with what is, and you are left with being conscious versus unconscious to the world. And that was my favorite thing to do while I was bulimic, It was to be unconscious. It was a way for me to go numb. When you give up bulimia, then you have to face everything else that is in your life that you may not wanna face. You have to turn on the lights and become conscious. And the problem is we all wanna think that life is supposed to be perfect and life is supposed to be happy. I'm entitled or you're entitled to feel happy all the time. You're entitled to live a life that's free of pain, that's free of heartache, that's free of everything else, but you're not. What happened along the way is that you just binged and purged instead to deal with these things. Even if it was just to deal with the heartache of not losing weight. When you give up bulimia, you have to become conscious, and that's not always fun. But what I will say is that if you come to terms with the fact that you truly have to give up your desire, bulimia then you're awakened to a whole bunch of things that are wrong in your life and you see what you could potentially fix because when I was bulimic a lot of things in my life were falling apart it was because I wasn't able to deal with life and so I let my relationships fall apart my work fall apart I was in a career that I wasn't very happy with and I my only hopes for myself was that maybe I would be able to make 40k a year and hopefully be debt free and maybe weigh 140 pounds. That's the highest hopes that I had for myself at one point. Not that those are bad goals but I was really setting the bar low for the potential that my entire life would have. When I became conscious to that I had to deal with the fact that I wasn't satisfied and I either have to live in that dissatisfaction or I needed to make a change and my relationships i let a lot of my relationships including my relationship with my partner fall apart and what was really the problem was is that i needed to be fully present and take responsibility for the things that i was doing wrong when i gave up bulimia bingeing and purging i was suddenly left with all this time to deal with these things i was suddenly left with a mentally free brain that had to deal with all the responsibilities that i had being conscious versus unconscious is so much better There's never going to be any food that you eat, or especially if you're eating a healthier diet. There's nothing compared to binging on cake and high-calorie foods and getting that dopamine hit that you do when you binge. But living a life that is conscious and fully present is so, so, so much better than a life where you are numb, when you aren't fully present. Life is 50-50, and it sucks. Life is full of pain and despair, and it's full of pleasure, and it's full of happiness. But you can't get one or the other. And when you try to just get fully happiness, what happens is you fall into things like bulimia or drug addiction, stuff like that. When you're fully conscious, you have the ability to deal with pain. And the more you're able to deal with pain, the more you're able to deal with discomfort, the more you're willing to deal with discomfort, the better things will get for you. Because life is going to keep throwing punches at you, but what happens is you become able to handle them. You understand, and you stop running from your life. I almost want you to think about bulimia as an old boyfriend, and I'm stealing this metaphor from someone, so this isn't my original concept, but it's such a good metaphor that I want to share it with you. Bulimia is kind of like your old boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe in high school, And when you were dating them, you thought that they were the one and only person for you. You thought that there was no way that you could live without them. You would die for them. That's how strongly you felt about this person. And now, when you think about them, when someone brings up their name, they say, hey, did you hear how so-and-so is doing? You have absolutely no desire for them. You don't care about them at all. It's just like, oh, yeah, I knew that person once. And that's it. Because your desire is gone. It's completely gone for that person. It's as if if someone put a pack of cigarettes in front of me right now, I would have no interest in them. I've never been a smoker, and therefore I'd never have had that desire for cigarettes. And there are people who have quit smoking for a long time, and he put his pack of cigarettes in front of them, and they also have no feelings towards it. It's just not necessary. It's an option, but they don't, they don't care. They're just, they just don't do that. That's not what they do anymore. They gave up that desire. They gave up that identity. They gave up the want, the need for that cigarette. That's what you need to do with bulimia. And it sucks because a lot of people come to me and they think that I have all of these secret answers to how to recover from bulimia. They think that I'm giving away maybe secret things in my coaching that I'm not giving away here. And that's not true. This podcast, I'm giving away all my information to you. The thing that's different between maybe you that might be passively learning and not taking action versus the people that hire me as a coach um, is because what I do is I hold them accountable They invest in themselves. They put skin in the game for me to hold them accountable to their goals. And they're truly committing to leaving bulimia. They're committing to stopping. And you can obviously commit right here, right now. But the nice thing about hiring a coach like me is that I'm going to hold them accountable to those goals. I'm going to support them in their endeavor to commit to giving up bulimia. I'm going to figure out what's going on with their urges, what's going on with their habit loop, all those sort of things. And basically they're amazingly supportive cheerleader, right? But you don't necessarily need a coach. And maybe that's counterintuitive for me to say for my business. You just have to give up that desire and you need to commit to not doing it again, not having bulimia in your life anymore. You have to break up with bulimia. There's no other way around it. And yes, I understand, I'm a firm believer that we're human, you're going to slip up maybe again, and that's totally fine. You shouldn't be like, I'm going to commit and then it's, it happens again and be like, I can't do anything. You'll mess up again, there's all these things that happen, it's a journey, you're learning. But if you don't commit to giving up what is in your life right now, bulimia, then it's never going to get better because you could maybe go a full year without binging and purging. And that's what happened to me when I first started trying to recover, was I went a whole six months without binging and purging. And I thought I was cured, and I got really good at handling those urges. But I fell back into it because the desire to go unconscious and the desire for bulimia and the desire to be numb was still there at my core I still wanted it on some level it appealed to me on some level and I just went back it's like I went back to my ex even though I know that he's not good for me I know that he was a terrible person and he made me do all these crazy things but there's some fun appeal to it and I just went back the second time or the final time that I tried to recover tried to recover which you know led me to where I am now I fully committed that this does not have a place in my life anymore, and I committed to giving up that desire for bulimia, and I committed to, I'm going to be fully present in my life now. And of course, when I dug deeper, when I eventually went to lose weight after recovering, I realized, oh, I'm not fully present in my life still. And there are things that I do every day that you know aren't fully present, like I'll watch Netflix a little bit too much or something like that. But... It's all about leveling up. The first step for you is giving up bulimia. Maybe the second step for you is giving up something else that's numbing you out from the world or having a balanced relationship with it versus trying to go numb. It will not get better unless you commit to it. And if I say committing, you need to commit to giving up bulimia. You need to break up bulimia. And that brings up feelings of discomfort for you. It's kind of like, what do you mean I'll never binge and purge again? Like, I can never have tons and tons of food again. I can never eat tons of cereal and Oreos and cake ever again, not just once, and I say no, and that makes you panic. Then you have some work to do. That's right there a clear sign that you're not ready to give it up, and you need to figure out why that is. You need to dig down deep. You need to figure out, why do I not want to give this up? What's so bad in my life that I don't want to not do this? Because some, most of the time, your rational mind, you don't want to do it. But deep down, there's something still there. You're still holding on to this toxic relationship. And you really need to ask yourself why. You need to figure it out. And you need to commit to making that sacrifice. Because it is a sacrifice. Giving up bulimia is a sacrifice. I, I know that sounds strange. A lot of people like to point out how evil it is. And bulimia has a lot of damaging effects. Don't get me wrong, it's very serious. That's why I'm creating this podcast, that's why I recovered. Very, very serious issues with detrimental effects on your life. But it also provides a lot of pleasure for you. It's a false pleasure, though. Bulimia is a false pleasure. Real pleasure is being able to be fully present in your life, good and bad, and live it. Real pleasure is being there, is being in your life, experiencing it, loving it, feeling pain, feeling joy. All those things are so much better than being numb, I promise, so I know this this episode was a little bit of tough love, and I hope that it made it made sense. I'm speaking more from the heart in this episode, and maybe I came off a little bit rambly, but I just I felt like this was so so important for you guys to hear. There are no magic pills that you can take; there are no magic secrets that I'm not giving away. I give away everything here on the podcast. You just have to commit to doing it. And it's going to suck. It's going to be painful, but that is life. And I would get excited about being able to fully experience life again. It's going to be really hard, but you can do it. And the reason I know you can do it is because you're human. You have a human brain and you have the potential to thrive. So I hope that was helpful to you guys. The digital course is still going. I'm creating that right now. Very exciting. I'm considering it's going to be a monthly membership type course. What you're going to do is you'll get access to the course. I'm going to have a promotion running for the first month of the course release. So the first month, the course will be a bit cheaper for a monthly payment. And then after that first month, I'm going to raise the prices. I haven't completely nailed down a price since I'm still adding content to it. And it's a lot of value all in one course. So I want to price it fairly, but I want it to be affordable. And that's another reason I'm creating the course is because I know that some of you just can't afford coaching right now. I've been in your situation, so I want to provide another resource to you that's more affordable, more within your budget. So that's another reason I'm doing this. But I will let you guys know all the information. I'll send it out to you guys. If you're not on my email list, get on it because I'll be sending my email list information about the course they'll probably be the first people to know that the course has been released which is going to be on September 4th officially but pre-orders might start before then but I'm working hard on it guys I promise it's going to happen I'm going to slave a little bit but I'm going to do it so lastly I feel very serious now after talking about that subject but I still promise you guys an embarrassing story so I don't know grab your tea grab your uh, coffee whatever you're drinking right now buckle up like I said I I uploaded an unedited version of my podcast, full of yawns, full of awkward pauses, full of fumbles, full of mispronunciations. I'm sure you guys have noticed this, but I have a little bit of a lisp. But sometimes my uh, I'll talk too fast and I'll just completely jumble all the words together, and I have to edit those things out and I have to re say them. So so all those things are in that episode, which was just so embarrassing. And again, I haven't felt that embarrassed since high school, and. There was something that happened in high school, my freshman year of high school that was just so embarrassing at the time. Now to me it just sounds kind of funny, but at the time as a young impressionable 13-year-old, I was just absolutely mortified. What happened was, at our high school, it was a requirement that you had to do some sort of after-school physical activity no matter what the whole year. I joined Uh, C-Squad, which was basically just fitness, and it was just a gym. That was my after-school activity of choice for the winter activity. I was in C-Squad, I was at our school gym, and our school gym had treadmills, and it was a whole weight room. But I don't think I'd ever actually been on a treadmill before then, so I didn't exactly know how to properly use a treadmill, which, again, sounds hilarious. But I didn't know, I was just a young kid. And I was very impressionable. I was always looking at other people to tell me how to act. And I went to go use the treadmill because that's what all the cool girls were go- going on. All the cool girls in my school were using the treadmill. And so I get on one of the treadmills and the girl next to me gets on her treadmill. And she just promptly, clearly knows how to use it, pushes her speed up to six miles an hour. And then she just jumps on and hit, literally hits the ground running. I saw this, and I was like, wow, she just you just jump on. And of course, I didn't think about it rationally, but that's how I thought you were supposed to get on a treadmill. And I then promptly do the same. I put my feet on the side, and I bump the speed up to 6 miles per hour. And then without holding on to the sides of the treadmill, like most people do if they hop on to hit the ground running, a lot of sprinters do this, I, young Jacqueline, young naive Jacqueline, uh, I just jump onto the treadmill without any support ever, anywhere. And of course, I do not hit the ground running. My face immediately falls forward. I hit my face onto the front of the treadmill, and then I hit my face again on the bar of the treadmill, and then my entire body goes boom, and I am face down on the treadmill, and then my body just rolls off the treadmill very quickly, Um, face down, all of it. So yeah, my uh, professor who was watching our C-Squad at the time, he was our um, supervisor at the gym, he comes over, hits the emergency break, it's a small fitness room, so everyone, everyone saw it, everyone was watching. Um, and my face, I have a, I have rosacea, so my face was incredibly red, it was beet red, I couldn't hide it, everyone saw how embarrassed I was, because if you have rosacea, you know your face fills up with anything, there's no way to hide embarrassment, unless you're wearing makeup, which I was not wearing at the time. So my face was beet red, everyone around me was just looking at me in shock, especially since it was a treadmill, I'm sure they thought I was just crazy. And I was like, I'm okay, okay, I'm okay. And I just, you know, went about my workout, went on to something else. I didn't get on the treadmill again. And so the rest of the year, (laughs) I was known as the treadmill girl. And I was a freshman. So a lot of the seniors that didn't know me, if I did talk to them, anyone, usually people would be like, oh, are you the treadmill girl? Are you that girl that fell off the treadmill? Uh it was so embarrassing it was it was funny, and I talked about it in my senior uh talk. We always had to host talks at our school as seniors give a speech, and I talked about that, but I haven't been that embarrassed since since uh last since that time in high school, and Tuesday when I found out that my podcast episode was uploaded, that's how I felt so Anyways, I hope that you guys like this episode and you like that story. <laughs> I, it's definitely an embarrassing moment for me, but there's always going to be uncomfortable feelings in life and that's just one of them and embarrassment is just a feeling and you can handle it because I can handle it. So I hope this podcast episode has been helpful for you guys. Next week we will be all about intuitive eating and my take on intuitive eating, what, what I do, what I recommend clients do when they're recovering from bulimia and how to eat. So that will be probably a pretty long and big episode, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for showing up, even though I fumbled in my last episode. And please, please consider committing fully to giving up bulimia. Consider breaking up with it. Consider being fully conscious in your life. It may seem hard at first, but living a life fully conscious is way better than living a life unconsciously. I promise you. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.